This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. At five minutes after five o'clock on a Martin Luther King Monday. It's the 21st day of January. Come on in, everybody. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yonke. Glad to be along with you until six o'clock. And we've got a lot of ground to cover. Before six, we are going to be visiting with the Dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine on the UW-Madison campus. You know, better than 75% of all the veterinarians that we've got in Wisconsin, whether it's cat and dog, uh, horse, cow, hog, More than 75% of our veterinarians we lean on in the state have graduated from the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine. But uh, the facility itself is uh, at its wit's end trying to find space. They have launched a building campaign to try to expand their footprint on the UW-Madison campus. Uh, They're looking, yes, for financial donations, but more importantly, they're looking for your interaction with legislators, lawmakers, to uh, support their efforts. Talking about it with the dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine, Dr. Mark Markell. He is going to be our guest before 6 o'clock. Now, weather-wise, it's been interesting, hasn't it? Suddenly, we're in uh, kind of a deep freeze. Today's not much better. Snow and uh, 20 degrees are a possibility today. Tomorrow, a little warmer, up to 28, but still snow in the forecast. Wednesday, uh, partly sunny skies and 20 degrees. Stumacher Ag Meteorologist brings us weather details in about 15 minutes. No one works harder to help you achieve your goals. We know how challenging and rewarding farming and this way of life can be. You won't find financial experts with more ag knowledge and deeper rural roots. We grew up here and many of us are farm kids through and through. So whether you have one acre or a thousand. Whether you're building a house or a legacy. Your friends, family, and neighbors at Compere Financial have your back. And we're ready to champion rural together. Learn more at Compere.com. Compere Financial, equal credit opportunity lender. Local commercial knowledge with local experience. That's how Rural Mutual Insurance has been protecting businesses in Wisconsin since 1934. If something unexpected happens to your business, wouldn't you want to be protected by a local company that knows you and your needs? Rural Mutual is the number one writer of farms and the third largest writer of commercial business in the state of Wisconsin. We only do business in Wisconsin, so premiums paid here stay here. To keep Wisconsin strong, contact your local Rural Mutual Insurance expert or visit us at RuralMutual.com to learn how you can protect what matters most. And now it's time for another Focus on Energy flashback. No matter what you're doing on the farm, a remodel, an upgrade, uh, anything like that, and maybe possible new construction, you should always call the Focus on Energy advisors in advance because you guys have the trained eye on where to look for those kind of energy savings and especially those bonuses, double bonuses. Yes, not only do we have the two dairy energy specialists, but we also have 12 energy advisors located throughout the state to help those customers get in on those first uh, planning meetings to make sure that we get as many incentives for the farmers as we can because Lord knows that they need it right now. Boy, for sure. FocusOnEnergy.com is the website. I always encourage you, uh, whether you're working with an electrician, a builder, anybody in the trades, make sure you ask them early on, hey, are you a part of the Focus on Energy program? Do you know our Focus on Energy advisor? Many, many will. Partnering with Wisconsin Utilities. Focus on Energy. Learn more at FocusOnEnergy.com. Welcome to your Monday morning. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And I'll tell you what, all kinds of ideas being exchanged uh, back and forth uh, in meetings, out of meetings, in the hallways. What's the future of production agriculture, not just here in Wisconsin? Depends on what you're growing and a lot of different opinions on where you've got to channel your attentions if you want to try to market that product. Are you going to focus on a local market? Are you going to hinge your future on an international market? Bob, uh, there's a lot of different combinations being discussed this winter. 
And where is that production going to come from, Pam? Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. Dr. Dave Swenson, an agricultural economist at Iowa State University, was in Wisconsin recently to talk to some bankers about concentration in agriculture and the fact that it seems inevitable that we're getting fewer and larger farming operations. He cited the fact that Iowa every month produces over one billion eggs. They come from four counties. That's concentration. We talked to Dr. Swenson about that and the future and what's driving all this concentration in agriculture. Well, first of all, we've had concentration continuous over the last 20, 30 years. As a matter of fact, if you go back to 1955, we had, for example, in pork, we had widely distributed pork production. Everybody had hogs. By the time I graduated from high school in 1973, the number of pork producers in the United States had was a third of what it was when I was born. And then this year, it's a fifth less than that. And so we've had continuous concentration in production over that period of time. And at the same time, the number of producers or the number of, excuse me, the number of animals per farm has gone up drastically. Again, back when I was born, it was about 75 animals per farm. When I graduated from high school, it was 20 animals per farm. Now it's over 1,100, maybe closer to 1,200 animals per, per farm. So what we've had in that industry and some other industries in Iowa is um, significant, rapid, and durable concentration in this production. Now, people will argue, they say, well, you know, we're just going to get a handful of mega producers. And what we know in Iowa, that's not the case. What we have are a lot of producers with a lot of animals. But it, there, there's, it's, it seems to have leveled out. What we have is, 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 is a nice distribution of producers, maybe uh, uh, it, not unlike what we have in, in, in Wisconsin, where you have a certain sweet spot where you can still make a good living with a certain level of milk production. You can still do that in, in Iowa with, with the hog production. So we don't see that tendency like maybe you see in North Carolina or maybe out in California to have super large concentration, just a few producers with a lot of animals. What we have is a much more distributed agricultural um, system in the, in, the, in the pork industry. Now, we can shift it, though, in Iowa. And we have, we're the number one state in layers, egg production. And in Iowa... Far and away the big number one state. Exactly. And this is really a recent phenomenon. Really took off just over the last 15 years. Well, you go back 30 years and it started, but really took off in the last 15 years. Now, in Iowa, 40 farms account for over 95% of the egg production in the state of Iowa, just 40 farms. And those 40 farms are just in three or four counties. And so we have an extraordinary concentration. So we have the extremes. We have a well-distributed, large production-to-scale system in the hog sector. And then we have a very undistributed, highly concentrated. So they, they, they give us really nice contrasts in what are the possibilities for animal concentration. And that's what I'm here to share with the farmers and the lenders here in, in Wisconsin. As you look at the current situation with hogs in Iowa, you drive around, you still see a lot of empty barns, yeah. old hog barns that would hold a lot of animals. So what is the sweet spot you found right now that you seem to be at a comfortable level with the size of operations for hog production in Iowa and what might be factors that are 
could change that. Well, the one there's there's several things that we have in Iowa. First off, we've always been good at raising hogs, but we're better at raising corn. And the one thing hogs like is lots of corn. The third thing we're really good at is processing them. And so what we've got is an intersection of crop production, animal production, and processing distributed nicely around the state that sustains a lot of regional production and the state of Iowa has added a new large processing plant out in Sioux City, and it's adding a new one up near uh, Fort Dodge, Iowa, um, probably will come on online next year. So that sends a good strong signal to the producers that we're going to have a good market, a good regional market for our, our, our product, and we've had some more pork production in and around those areas as a consequence. What has it meant for farmers? Because... As a kid in Iowa, everybody had hogs, and you you raised them. Two hundred pounds was a big hog back then. You sold them. What kind of skills do these modern hog producers have that the family farm type hog producer didn't have at that time? What are what are the differences here as far as what these guys have to do as far as genetics, marketing, speculating the market? Right. Well, they they have the whole range of skills. First of all, they have, they're running a large production system that has to be sanitary. We know that. It has to be uh, well-run. It has to be efficient. Um, everything about it has to be at top of the line. They don't, you don't get away with being a sloppy hog producer. You don't get away with not tending your animals. Um, you also have to be a marketing specialist. Many of these people, though, are producing on... on uh, marketing contracts and so, so and production contracts and so you know they already know where they're going to sell their animals they're raising them on spec for a a a, a, a packing house nearby so these producers are basically much more attuned to more of the mechanics of production as opposed to the husbandry of production they rely on uh, uh, veterinaries they they rely on a lot of hired labor in terms of tending their animals they're not tending their animals more so. Um, they, they, they need hired labor to do that. And and so they're having to operate them like a modern business, a modern factory. And even though people use the phrase factory farming pejoratively, we want the best of factory techniques in our agricultural processes, both for them to be efficient, profitable, and producing a safe and, and, and good product. And on the other hand, when you're concentrated like that with animals, there is nutrient management to deal with. How, how big can we get in Iowa as far as the, the DNR rules and things like that, as far as those challenges are concerned, to further growth in some of these specific areas, especially, as you mentioned, the layer concentration? We have significant problems in Iowa in terms of nutrient management. We have all of our surface water in Iowa is contaminated or um, uh, it needs to be addressed. It is a significant problem. It's not going away. We uh, have a nutrient uh, reduction strategy that is, is on paper but is only slowly being implemented, and that is a drawback to manage or to, to, the, to, to animal concentration in Iowa, both on the concentration in layers and the areas that are con- uh, have the layer concentrations also have strong concentrations in beef feeding, cattle feeding, and 
pork production. So it's it's doubly bad in those areas. But you're right when you when you question, you know, is there a, is there a limit? How much can the land carry? And the answer is probably not as much as it currently is. We may need to be thinking of different ways in which we treat or distribute the animal waste, and that's all part of the nutrient management solution. Right now, they're focusing more on on behavioral practices and mechanical inhibitions to, to the flow of these nutrients. Um, but we're going to have to start thinking of also what are we going to do with these nutrients that we haven't been doing before. Might we change the timing and the, and the nature with which they're, they're applied to the, to the land? And some of those things, the decisions they have to make based on, on state laws, that all adds to cost of production. So those things have to be figured into the economics of the operation, don't they? Yeah, you would want it to be figured into the economics because you want to disincentivize behavior that's harmful to the public. But right now, agriculture, both in terms of state policy and national policy, really isn't penalized. They they know that they're under the gun and that they're being that they're that they're uh, that they're scrutiny. But they're not being penalized. Right now, they're not being penalized. They are not point source pollutants. Therefore, they can't be regulated the way other kind of factories or other kinds of businesses can be regulated. For the time being, that's in their favor. Over the long haul, though, that may change, and then they're going to have to seriously and significantly reevaluate their practices. Interesting. Doctor, thank you. You're welcome. All right, again, that's Dr. Dave Swenson, Department of Economics, Iowa State University in Wisconsin, talking to the ag lenders, animal product concentration, animal production concentration, and the implications it has on our society. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. How I look and how I feel now, I definitely have the confidence that I had before I had children with what I wear, swimsuits, I can be on the beach in a two-piece and not have to worry about flabby skin everywhere and just, you know, looking ridiculous in a bikini. Experience does matter, especially when it comes to surgical body recontouring. Dr. Thomas Bartell focuses his practice exclusively on below-the-neckline cosmetic surgery procedures. It's all he does. I think I look amazing for having two children, and though, I mean, it, it was some work done, but I don't regret any of it. I would do it again in a heartbeat. I would definitely recommend Dr. Bartell. Call Dr. Thomas Bartell to schedule a free consultation. And to see actual before and after results, go to his website, drbartell.com. I couldn't be more happier that I have a teenage stomach again. (laughs) Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at wfbf.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual is excited to announce the Rural Mutual Farm Dividend Program. The first of its kind in the state. They know how hard you work, so they want to reward you. Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program rewards farmers for their loyalty and dedication with up to a 5% dividend. And since Rural Mutual only does business in Wisconsin, premiums paid here stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. To learn more about Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program and how you may qualify, please contact a rural agent or visit RuralMutual.com. On the job till the cows come home. 
This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Coming up on 520 on a bitterly cold start to a Martin Luther King Monday. And time to find out what we've got coming our way this week. Saw the forecast, Stumach, and it doesn't necessarily look like we're going to see a lot of warm-up this week. I am curious, though, if we're going to see any more snow. A whole lot more snow around the Madison area than what we had up by Green Bay over the weekend. We might be able to turn that around this week, Pam. I think it looks to me like our next snow chance, which really even starts to build in very late today at Lacrosse and Mauston tonight may hold off until Tuesday in southern and far eastern Wisconsin, but it really appears this system may have a little more punch. How about that? More snow possibility trying to build in as we get the week underway. But let's talk a little bit about today, and there's high pressure in the Midwest. That system pushing a little further to our east will at least mean some brightness this morning, a little more sun in the east and south for a little longer, more clouds in western Wisconsin already this morning. Those clouds are going to increase all over. More cloudiness is going to develop, and along with it, there then will be that chance of snow. Low pressure is going to eject all the way from the Pacific Ocean, head on into the mountains of the Rockies and then head further east. Northern Kansas up toward northern Missouri and by late Tuesday, early Wednesday heading right into Illinois. That's the system that I expect is going to mean more snow. And like I've said, even really late this afternoon and certainly overnight, Lacrosse and Mauston could see a little snow develop. The rest of us wait until Tuesday, midday or into the afternoon. But I expect that snow Monday night in the west, Tuesday into Tuesday night elsewhere, could add up in a 3 to 6 inch range. Right now it would appear some of the heavier snow may be in central and southern Wisconsin. So a little more precipitation, not all up north, but a little further south this time. That colder air mass is going to stick around as well. I don't expect any big warm-ups. Tuesday could be the warmest day of the week as it gets colder after that. And another small snow chance about Thursday. I'll add forecast details right after this. This is Ty Gaffney. I would like to invite you to my family's Angus Bull Sale on February 2nd in Partyville, Wisconsin. We are selling our best black Angus bulls. They rank in the top 15% for birth weight, weaning weight, and dollar beef. The sale starts at 2 p.m. at the Brenneman Bull Barn. Look us up online. The Gaffney and Lynn's families are looking forward to seeing you on Saturday, February 2nd in Partyville. Celebrating 100 years, the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. It's a grassroots organization of people just like you and me who care about keeping agriculture strong. Joining the Farm Bureau can also qualify you for a number of money-saving member benefits that include discounts on insurance, travel, even equipment. Farm Bureau proud for 100 years. Become a member today at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. As the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin, Rural Mutual is excited to announce the Rural Mutual Farm Dividend Program. The first of its kind in the state. They know how hard you work, so they want to reward you. Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program rewards farmers for their loyalty and dedication with up to a 5% dividend. And since Rural Mutual only does business in Wisconsin, premiums paid here stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. To learn more about Rural Mutual's Farm Dividend Program and how you may qualify, please contact a rural agent or visit RuralMutual.com. 
So today, more cloudy skies in the west. There could be a little sun or at least some brightness east and south, but the clouds will build in. White snow may pop up near La Crosse or Mauston late today. We ought to be in the upper teens, and our winds will become south around 5 to 15. Overnight, mostly cloudy, a little snow in the west and central part of the state. We drop down toward around 10, maybe a few upper single digits. Southeast winds, 5 to 15. Cloudy skies on Tuesday, and that's when there'll be snow falling all all day in the west, beginning midday or afternoon in the east and south, mid-20s for highs, south winds about 8 to 18. Snow overnight Tuesday night could be some 3 to 6 inch accumulations, and otherwise partly sunny Wednesday, low 20s with a northwest wind 8 to 18. Get ready for some snow and cold, Pam. Good advice. So long, Johns, and everything else we need to survive this bitter cold, ready to perform this week. Thank you, Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, for the latest details. Coming up after 530, I'm bringing you details on a special campaign the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine has launched. Uh, They have basically outgrown their facility, but they continue to do outstanding research and perform fantastic service to the state of Wisconsin. Can you help with University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine's building campaign? We'll tell you how with the dean of the school after 5.30. It's 5.25. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Do you suffer from chronic pain? Hi, my name is Tim O'Brien, owner of Apple Wellness, The Healthy Place. If pain is a part of your life, you need to know about CBD oil. All the benefits that you've heard about from medicinal marijuana and cannabis oil are true of CBD oil without the high. CBD strengthens the endocannabinoid system, which is what's responsible for homeostasis or balance in the body. This is why CBD is an excellent natural alternative for stress, anxiety, depression, and pain management. We are seeing exciting testimonies every day by encouraging customers to try CBD. We only recommend brands that are safe, legal, and effective. CBD is available at both of our Apple Wellness locations in Fitchburg across from the Super Target and in Sun Prairie across from the Costco and New Theater. Stop by Apple Wellness to see what potency and brand is best for your pain needs. CBD might just be the greatest discovery of our generation. Come to our Fitchburg or Sun Prairie location or check us out online at apple-wellness.com. Apple Wellness, the healthy place. Attorney John Rihala with Clifford and Rihala. At Clifford and Rihala, we have the experience you need to help you after any kind of collision. We help people who have been seriously injured, ranging from pedestrians hit crossing the street, people rear-ended by semi-trucks, to victims of drunk driver crashes. No matter how you've been injured, our experienced and skilled attorneys will help you get your maximum recovery. And very importantly, we also know how to protect that recovery. At Clifford and Rihala, we understand that many issues can come up after a settlement is reached. If those issues aren't handled carefully, an injury victim can lose money. Don't let that happen to you. Call Clifford and Rihala. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala. Hard-working, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. It's kind of intimidating when your dad is one of the most famous jewelers in America. And you're supposed to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, and those are some big footsteps. How old were you when you came to work at Kessler's? Well, I started handing out balloons to customers when I was six. Wow. 
Dad was on the radio 52 weeks a year for more than 25 years. I'm talking to Monica Kessler of Kessler's Diamonds. He gave me and the other owners a gigantic opportunity. The other owners? Kessler's is 100% employee-owned. I'm just one of several dozen owners. So when I walk into Kessler's, I'm greeted by an owner? Every time. So what's your earliest memory of a Kessler's radio ad? In the beginning, Dad would end every ad by saying, I'm Richard Kessler, and I want to be your jeweler. What's he doing now? Playing golf, mostly. Is there anything you'd like to say before we go? Yes. I'm Monica Kessler, and I want to be your jeweler. Along with a few dozen other wonderful people hand-selected by my father. Welcome to Kessler's. The Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association invites you to join us for our annual winter conference held at Chula Vista Resort in Wisconsin Dells. Held February 8th and 9th, spend the day learning and networking during our Cattlemen's Educational Series. Make sure to stay for our Beef and Brews Reception, Recognition Program hosted by Pam Yonke, and Evening Entertainment from Milk House Radio. The Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association gives a voice to our state's beef producers on a local and national level. Visit WisconsinCattlemen.com to become a member and register for the conference. Since 1955, Blaine's Farm and Fleet has earned the trust of farmers and Midwest families by offering great brands at honest prices. Everything we sell is carefully chosen to ensure you're getting top quality with every brand you buy. Right now, get instant savings on select DeWalt tools. $110 instant savings on a DeWalt brushless hammer drill impact driver kit. $100 instant savings on a DeWalt 13-inch 20-speed 3-knife thickness planer and $80 instant savings on a DeWalt 20-volt brushless impact wrench kit. Hillman Grade 2 hex bolts, nuts, and washers, just $149 a pound. And check out our weld shop located in our hardware department. Pick up a 115-volt Hobart Handler 140 MIG welder. It's $499.99. KT Auto Darkening Designer Welding Helmets, your choice, $59.99. And KT Welding Accessories, now 20% off. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. We do everything to make your life easy, from packing to storage to cleaning service. Above Average Moving also does in-state, out-of-state, residential, and commercial moving. That's why we say, no worries, less stress, we got this. Above Average Moving is your award-winning medicine mover with the highest reviews, free online estimates, and full cleaning service. Above Average Moving. No worries, less stress, we got this. Visit AboveAverageMoving.com. Visiting with our uh, Packer Insider, Rob Reichel. You know, to the point of Hackett, Rob, and I saw this in a couple different uh, avenues, that, you know, you, you had Monk in the offensive coordinator from uh Tampa Bay that actually was going to be interviewed for the head coaching job that he may have been an offensive coordinator uh, candidate. He ends up at, at, in Cleveland. And then you had, what was it? His, his brother, uh, Lafleur's brother and the other offensive coach in San Francisco that uh, Kyle Shanahan blocked both of them from interviewing with the Packers. Could you make the case that Hackett was like the third or fourth option that he wasn't the guy they wanted. He was just the guy they could get. I think you could make that case, Joe. I, I was being told last week that Mike LaFleur was the number one candidate for the job, and, and nobody was quite sure. That's obviously Matt's kid brother. Uh, nobody was quite sure um, you know, if uh, he was going to be blocked or not in San Francisco. Clearly that wound up being the case. You know, Mike's only 31. Um, you know, heck, it is 39. So, you know, Joe, I, I'm a little bit more of an advocate of going for a guy with a little more experience and a little bit more veteran 
guy, if, if you're going to work consistently with Rodgers, I, I think there's a respect level there. I, you know, my personal belief was you get a guy in there a little bit older than Rodgers to work with him on a day-in, day-out basis versus a 31-year-old kid who Aaron's going to look at and say, what can this guy potentially teach me? Um, you know, Joe, you mentioned Monken had, had the number one passing offense in Tampa Bay. Um, probably had his choice between Green Bay and Cleveland and, and went with Cleveland. And I think you can kind of understand why. That, that, that's an organization on the uptick and uh, has a good young quarterback he can work with, probably not as set in his ways uh, as a guy like Rodgers is. So I, I think that uh, you know, my, it might be just an easier guy for a guy like Monken to go ahead and, and try to coach uh, a Baker Mayfield versus an Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, Joe, I guess only LaFleur knows that, um, you know, 100%. Um, if, if Hackett was his third choice or not, or even if somebody else in there, uh, might have crept in that we just don't know about at that point in time. But but I do think at the end of the day, I, I think the group's going to work well together, and, and, and I think there's a real possibility Hackett could have, uh, have some real success here working with uh, NFL talent uh, at quarterback versus what he was given in Jacksonville. We were talking yesterday, Robbie, on the show about the uh, conference championship games this weekend, and to me, I think it's the greatest storyline of all time. That that uh, I I couldn't believe I didn't pick it up on it earlier, but at least we got got it in with enough time. Would be you have two of the game or two of the quarterbacks are in their forties. I did not realize that Drew Brees had turned forty earlier this week. Obviously Brady at forty one. So you got two forty something quarterbacks taking on two twenty something quarterbacks in Mahomes and Goff. And you talk about you know like the future of the league versus you know the old guard. Like what a great storyline you know. And then you know to bring it forward to our perspective, you know we got a guy in his mid thirties that we think maybe the, the the end is near for Aaron Rodgers. When you look at Brady and Breeze in their 40s versus Goff and Mahomes in their early 20s, how do you view that as far as Aaron Rodgers and his you know quarterback mortality? Yeah, interesting question. You know, Brady and Breeze are just, just different in that they've been lifetime traditional pocket passers. They don't do a lot outside the pocket. They don't make themselves as vulnerable for – for so many of the hits, like like Aaron has taken the, you know, the collarbone issues, he had the hamstring in in fourteen. Um, you know, guys, I and none of us are ever going to know uh, entirely what that collarbone break, that separation in twenty seventeen, did to Rogers. Um, if you know, inside his his body, if if that uh, if that healed one hundred percent properly, if if he lost any any mobility, arm strength, flexibility, things like that after the injury. Because in 2018, guys, he certainly didn't look like the quarterback that he was in 2017, 16, 15, all the way up uh, through his through his later years. But assuming Rodgers does stay healthy, guys, the, you know, the, the way quarterbacks are treated these days inside the league, and, and you guys, I mean, even take that Jared Goff play last, last week. Which, which sealed the game uh, for the Rams against the Cowboys. You, you've got Dallas guys in pursuit there, um, and, and Goff ran for about 10 yards, and, and it was the game-clinching first down, if you guys remember the bootleg play. And, and you've got Cowboys in pursuit and coming from, from, from ahead and coming from the side, and they're still laying up because they're terrified of, of flags and fines and things like that when it comes to touching or hitting a quarterback as Goff hits the ground and he rolls ahead and, and gets 10 yards for the first down to end it. It's just the mentality inside a defensive player's mind now is just largely I, I can't touch that guy. I can't hit that quarterback. So the lifespan for a quarterback, guys, is, is probably going to jump 25%. 
This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. 5.35 now on a frigid start to a Martin Luther King Monday. That's our historical note for this morning. Martin Luther King Day designated to recognize the birth date of Martin Luther King Jr. In some states, they call it Civil Rights Day or Human Rights Day. Some areas of the country call it the Day of Service. But the bottom line is Martin Luther King Day today recognizing the birth of Martin Luther King Jr. I'm Pam Yonke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Monday. Well, this frigid weather is not slowing down our university research in Wisconsin. Dr. Sean Conley and his uh, crew down in agronomy on the UW-Madison campus are getting ready to mobilize in the growing season of 2019, and they want farmers to help with some on-farm research. Caught up with Dr. Conley last week at the Agribusiness Classic and asked him to explain what the goal of the program is. So what we've been able to do is, over the last three years, we've collected uh, field information from 7,000 farm fields across the Midwest and over 500,000 acres of of yield data and agronomic data. And what we've done is we've done a uh, a statistical analysis to to look at what's the biggest drivers of yield that farmers have any influence over on their farms. And we've kind of classified these into what we call these TEDs. They are technology extrapolation domains. Basically what it is is a way to group farm fields in a similar manner that have similar productivity, water holding capacity, uh, uh, aridity indices, and basically yield potential. Mm -hmm. Within each one of those TEDs, then we've identified the biggest drivers of yields. What we're asking farmers to do is basically work with us and take the next step after we've done the the statistical analysis. We're going to take it back to the farm Mm -hmm. and prove that what we learn from this big data analysis actually does work and has an application on the farm. So what we're asking to farmers to do is do um, an experiment on their farm within each TED. The, the treatments differ just to help us prove that fact. And, and the, the, the major TED that I'm looking at in Wisconsin, uh, the biggest driver would have been soybean uh, planting date. So we're just asking growers to plant early. Um, and that could either be almost all their field and they leave three strips for late. Or if they're uncomfortable putting that many strips in or a whole field in early, just put three strips in early and plant the rest of the field late. And then what we'll basically do is just utilize yield monitor data and look at those differences. And again, the biggest driver and reason why we're doing this is to make sure that our recommendations from this big data set have practical application back to the farm uh, and that we're not basically just having a white elephant out there that really doesn't work. Dr. Sean Conley, our University Extension Soybean Specialist with an on-farm research opportunity for any soybean grower in our state. Find out more details online, coolbean.info, coolbean.info. And he'll be talking about this also at the upcoming Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. At Compere Financial, we understand how challenging farming and this way of life can be. And we know you can't predict what the upcoming growing season will bring. So while there's nothing wrong with hoping for the best, preparing for everything is even better. That's why so many farmers look to us to help manage their risk and protect their investment with crop insurance coverage. Contact your local Compeer Financial crop insurance specialist before the March 15th sign-up deadline or visit us at Compeer.com. Compeer Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Here's a little tire trivia for you. Did you realize that the actual surface area that makes contact 
between a tire and the road is really pretty small. For a passenger tire, it's only about the size of a postcard. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for my friends at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street in the heart of Sauk City, where everything is all under one roof. So you think about that postcard when you're driving on Wisconsin's icy, wintry roads. Will it protect you? Will it protect your family, keep you out of the ditch? My friends at McFarland's can not only evaluate the tires you're currently using, but they can get you set up with brand new ones. And it doesn't matter whether it's autos, pickup trucks, large trucks, bicycles, snowblowers, garden tractors, they've got it all under one roof, and they're ready to take care of you. So when it comes to doing battle with Mother Nature and Wisconsin roads, when you're looking for good traction and safe travel, Look to my friends at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street, just off Highway 12, in the heart of Sauk City. There are a lot of conversations going on in farm country these days between farmers and their lenders. Last week, farm credit lenders from all around the upper Midwest got together trying to see if there's a silver lining that they might be missing. There's no question we're at below break-even commodity prices. We still have trade war tariffs and government shutdowns that are squeezing producers. If there's any silver lining, it's the fact that many producers are better off today than they were during the 1980s farm crisis. At least that's the opinion of Omaha's Frontier Farm Credit CEO, Mark Jensen. This is very different than the 1980s. If you would have seen the situation you know, five years into the 1980s, the last time the you know, farm economy had a kind of a major adjustment or more challenging time, it is very different today. The overall debt load on a percentage basis is about half of what it was in the 1980s going into, you know, this decline over the last four or five years. So the overall balance sheet in agriculture was in a very different position. That's Mark Forsyth. He is Omaha's Frontier Farm Credit CEO. I don't know, for a lot of us that lived through the 80s farm crisis, this is starting to look very much the same, minus higher interest rates. Just my opinion. So on Friday in Chicago, barrel cheese gained a penny and a half to 120. 40-pound black cheese was up a penny and a quarter at 140. Double-A butter unchanged at 224 a pound. And of course, today, Martin Luther King holiday, so the markets will remain idle. Coming up next, I'm introducing you to the Dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine, Dr. Mark Markell. He is going to tell us about a building project that has been launched by the school. They have outgrown their facilities. That story coming up next. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Whether you are going on a short vacation or consider yourself a snowbird, it is important to prep your home before you leave. Madison Area Crime Stoppers and the Madison Police Department Crime Prevention Unit have 10 safety tips for you. Number one, make sure all of your exterior doors and windows are locked and then double check them all. Number two, make sure someone will shovel your sidewalk. Number three, have someone you trust check on your house every day or every other day. Number four, leave a contact number with a neighbor in case of an emergency. Tip number five, stop your mail and newspapers. Number six, make sure you have lights set on automatic timers and install exterior motion lights if you don't have them. Number seven, encourage a neighbor with more than one vehicle to park their vehicle in your driveway or garage. Number eight, don't mention that you're away on social media sites. Not only does it tell thieves you're away, but it's free information for scammers. Tip number nine, make an inventory list with photos of all your valuables. And tip number 10, make sure to sign up for Madison Police Department's vacation watch service. You can visit at madisonpolice.com for more information. 
Hi, Mark Ganser here. Ganser has the answer. Trusted in the Madison area for over eight decades, let us show you why. We only carry Infinity fiberglass windows from Marvin, windows that can endure our Wisconsin weather, not vinyl. Mark, you mean the plastic windows with the wood grain stickers? Yes, Stacy. Vinyl windows will jam, warp, crack, and fade over time. Ganser Company offers free in-home estimates. Ask about our financing options today. Visit our website at gansercompany.com or stop by the showroom off the Beltline near Tad Drive. Are you looking to remodel your bathroom? Don't want it to go on forever? If you hate cleaning your shower or bath, look no further than Bath Planet from Ganser. The only bath system backed by the good housekeeping seal of approval. Baths redone in only a few days. Schedule your free in-home consultation now or stop into our beautiful showroom on the Beltline. Let our designers design the bath of your dreams. Answer, that's the answer. Tilling every inch of land in the state, except Lambeau Field, that there's consecrated ground. Pam Yonke and the Farm Report. As we roll towards 6 o'clock on a frigid start to a Martin Luther King Monday, I want to introduce you to a building campaign that's going on now involving the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine. Now, maybe you've had contact with that facility. Maybe you've taken your cat, your dog, a cow, or a baby calf to that facility for specialized care. Well, let me tell you, they are bursting at the seams, taking care of clients from not only all across the state of Wisconsin, but from around the world. Had a chance to visit with Dr. Mark Markell. He is the dean of the School of Veterinary Medicine, and he tells us a little bit more about the building project to date. Well, the first thing I want people to just remember is that we haven't, the School of Veterinary Medicine hasn't always existed. We were created about 32 years ago, in fact, just graduated our 32nd class last May. And um, at this stage, over half the veterinarians in the state of Wisconsin are our alumni. And actually about 60% or 70%, depending on the year, of our graduates each year stay in the state of Wisconsin to practice veterinary medicine. And they literally are all over the state of Wisconsin, you know, serving really as vital economic engines, um, whether it's working on somebody's dairy farm, whether it's working in small mill practice, whether it's serving shelters in your community, uh, or those kinds of things. Um, I th- so I think people really understand a school of veterinary medicine is training veterinarians to become practitioners. But what people don't realize, and I think what always opens people's eyes about the UW School of Veterinary Medicine is what it does beyond just generate the next generation of practitioners. Yeah. And examples of that are we are the infectious disease um, leader the state is in the country. And the reason that the state is is because of the University of Wisconsin-Madison and because of the School of Veterinary Medicine is the reason why UW-Madison is that leader. We do 75% of all the infectious disease research um, in the state of Wisconsin or on this campus. And we focus on a wide variety of infectious diseases. They can be um, things that affect humans like Zika virus or malaria or Ebola virus or human influenza, but it certainly can also be um, fish viruses that might hit game fish or or other viruses that might affect both humans and, um, for example, birds like avian influenza or swine influenza. Uh, Good examples of our impact, and people are really surprised when you kind of highlight these things, is over the last uh, three years, we've created three new vaccines, um, all now in human clinical trials. One is a, a 
Zika virus vaccine, which has already been shown to be safe and efficacious, is already on the market. And as you might know, particularly in areas that are in southern United States or the Caribbean or Mexico or Central America and South America, if a pregnant woman's infected with Zika virus, they can potentially have a baby that has microcephaly and it has lifelong impacts of that um, infection. We also have the world-leading expert in human influenza, and he's created what's called a universal flu vaccine. So for anyone who's ever had a vaccine that's inhaled, that's a flu vaccine, usually that's used in children, um, that's a company that the School of Veterinary Medicine through Yoshi Kaoka, one of our faculty, helped create. But now he's created a, a vaccine that if it's shown to be successful, it will literally protect you for a five to eight year period with two inhalations of the vaccine. And it'll, it'll protect you for all the strains of the flu um, that you might be impacted with. So as you might know, right now what happens is every February, the WHO decides what strain they think is going to be impacted the next fall. They then spend six months creating the vaccine, and some of the times they guessed right. Last year they didn't guess right, and it was only about 25% effect effective. And the impact of that is literally hundreds of thousands of people worldwide die from influenza. So our hope is that we can then help protect all those people. The last... Um, clinical trial that we have ongoing right now in Japan is um, an Ebola virus vaccine that's shown to be 100% effective uh, in non-human primates, and we'll see what impact it has in humans. But the goal there is that healthcare workers and people that are in surrounding communities, for example, in Africa, when Ebola outbreaks occur, are protected so they don't have, don't contract the d disease, which has about a 90% yeah. fatality. So I, I think all those things are amazing. Now, beyond just that human piece... As you might expect, we have significant footprint in both benefiting the agricultural industry as well as animal health. And so on the agricultural industry side, we created what's called the Dairyland Initiative about 10 years ago. And what it does is bring together farmers, dairy farmers, builders, lenders, and veterinarians to design the next generation of dairy facilities, the idea of which is that whether it's ventilation systems or bedding systems or feeding systems, um, that we can have a healthier cow that needs less medication. Therefore, it, she, she produces more milk with that's healthier milk. Ultimately, when she enters the meat chain, healthier meat. And in the end, what they've discovered is that they're producing more milk actually at less cost after they build these facilities. And at this stage, we've had an impact worldwide in designing these facilities and helping dairy farmers improve their facilities to create healthier cows. Another interesting piece is um, we've just started the largest veterinary clinical trial in the world. It's a dog study. Um, it's designed literally to vaccinate dogs so that, they don't, so that they do not develop cancer. And uh, as you might know, uh, for those that contract cancer, whether you're an animal or a human, uh, today, one of the treatments is immunotherapy, where you actually use your own immune cells to try to kill that cancer. Well, this is kind of the reverse of that. We're try you're trying to create antibodies that prevent the cancer from even occurring. So this study just started about six months ago, and it's probably going to take about seven or eight years to complete. And what we're doing is we're identifying breeds of dogs that typically get cancer much more commonly than other breeds, and then compare them to breeds that don't get cancer very commonly, and see if we have an impact over time on the development of cancer in those breeds of dogs. So I think it just gives you another example of um, kind of our impact um, on this, not only 
animal health, but as well as human health and on the citizens of the state of Wisconsin. You know, doctor, that's a very good point. Sometimes people overlook the correlation that animal research can ultimately have on human research. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about how you present that to students that are coming in or guests that are coming in and may segregate. No, that's only at the, the School of Medicine here on the UW. So good. I have a really good example that I like to highlight, although this is just one of many examples that I could use. Um, about 15 years ago, there was a medical physicist in the human um, medical school who created this new device that combined a CAT scanner, CT scanner, with radiation therapy to treat tumors. And what happened before that is when you have radiation therapy, it basically treats everything. So if it's inside your body somewhere, it'll treat the skin, it'll treat the muscles, it'll treat the tumor, but everything gets impacted. And in fact, here with dogs, when we used to do that treatment for, for example, nasal cancer, cancer of the nose, we'd successfully treat the cancer, but they'd often become blind. Well, this tomotherapy, which is what it was called, was designed to treat just the tumor itself and spare all the other tissues. And when this um, researcher by the name of Rock Mackey went to the FDA. They said, well, first you've got to demonstrate whether this is successful in an animal model. So we used the, fir- the next 12 dogs that had naturally occurring tumors, and we told the owners, you know, this is an experimental treatment, but if it's successful, we'll be able to spare your dog's sight in addition to successfully treat your tumor. So we did those next 12 dogs. It was successful in all 12 dogs. They ultimately did a human clinical trial. It later became a human um, company, meaning it was a company that produced a human device. We were, in the end, the first veterinary hospital in the world to have this device to use to treat veterinary patients. And as just an example, we've had people come from all over the country as well as all over Wisconsin and the Midwest Mm -hmm. to have those treatments done. So it really just gives you, again, an an understanding of kind of this dual benefit for both animals and humans um, with what we're trying to do. Another example that is just occurring now is... um, Rock Mackey, with a couple other faculty, including myself, are founders of a company called AstoCT, which is a standing CAT scanner. As you might imagine, for anybody who's had a CT scan, Mm -hmm. you always have to lay horizontally to have that done. Well, this has been designed to work vertically. And so today what happens, you know, nationally or worldwide, if you need to scan a large animal on a CT scanner, you have to anesthetize them, put them on their side, and do it that way. Well, this device actually works vertically. So they just stand over the scanner. They're tranquilized. We scan them. You can do the front limbs in about a minute and a half and the hind limbs in about the same amount of time. So in about seven or eight minutes, you can scan their entire limbs or their head and neck. And the interesting thing about this is a scanner that was now designed for large animals. We are now talking to MD Anderson in Texas, Johns Hopkins, and the Mayo Clinic to look at using this in humans in a vertical way because there are times in humans where they really want to scan you when you're sitting upright rather than laying down. So now we're translating it the other way from animals to humans. Wow. Amazing. And all this within the small confines of this building and uh, the network that you've created. Dr. Markle, that's really what we're talking about. I've toured this facility. It is a wonderful facility, but it is at capacity. And I can only imagine with projects like that on the horizon, the technology that is changing and the technology space that the school needs is only increasing. That's a very good example. So we were created about 32 years ago, as I said, and 32 years ago, there was not MRI units or CT scanners, and so this building was not designed to accommodate those. We managed to get our CT scanner inside the building, but our MRI unit, as an example, is in a trailer out behind our building. So one of the desires that we have is to um, be able to move all these large imaging pieces of equipment inside the hospital. The other 
critical piece is when we were created, there were 10 specialties in veterinary medicine. Now there's over 25, and we have 22 of those specialties here in the school. In addition, we were designed to see about 12,000 patient visits each year, and we see about 27,000 patient visits each year. And so anybody that does come visit, you'll see we have not only potentially long wait times, but we have students in hallways, we have people sitting in hallways, you know, learning because we don't have space for them. It is a campaign that's already underway, a building campaign for the School of Veterinary Medicine on the UW-Madison campus. That's their dean, Dr. Mark Markell.